Thanks, Rob. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Is this on? Is this working? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you can take your seats. Um, I'm, I'm loving being here, you know. I, I, what I don't want to do is do gigs. I'm not, I'm not, I said on Sunday, uh, I'm not a preacher, I'm a lifter, taking people from the lowlands of doubt to the highlands of faith. So I'm not actually, and I, I, the last thing I want to do is just do a gig, is just preach a message. You know, I'm here to share my life with people. I'm here to connect with people. And, and uh, the invite here has just been a dream, you know, and, the, and to spend time with all the pastors here uh, this morning was a dream. And uh, what I did do, what, I, what I've done, though, uh, for next year is uh, a lot of itinerant preachers, which I'm not actually pastoring a church, right? They, uh, they fill up their diary. And I had a list of churches thinking, I'll see if I can fill my diary up. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, don't do that. Don't cheapen yourself. Be led by the Holy Spirit and wait for inspiration and wait for divine connection. Because I want, I want mini explosions in 2023. I just don't want to make this a job. You know, I want to make this a, a vision, a vision, an effervescent vision explosion. And so that's what's happened with, with me and Rob. That it's, it's, it's felt divine. It's felt right. It's felt divine. And, uh, and I don't know about you. I've got a bit of ADH. Um, I call it ADHA, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Asset. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's part of who I actually am. You know, it's part of, part of my personality. And so everything needs to be... I, I always leave things to the last minute because it makes it more exciting. You know, I'm always living life on the edge because it's exciting. And, and so I feel, like, I feel like 2023 is going to be an exciting year. And one of the things I've already locked in is to come back here. And, uh, and my wife's super excited about it. And, and she's got an extraordinary ministry. You know, she, she uh, led a, a major, she's pioneered a major charity that, uh, that housed in safe houses, 15 safe houses across Britain, uh, people that are coming who have been set free from the brothels, from, uh, from uh, sex trafficking, uh, from human slavery. And, uh, and before we left two, two years ago, I think 500 people had been housed uh, 600 people would be housed in the safe houses and with the outreach that was uh, doing through counselling, 3,000 survivors of human trafficking had been. And so, you know, she's got a heart of mercy because uh, her story is that, that she's the result of a gang rape. She's got an amazing, she's a lo- in one respect, she's a loner. But, but when, you, when you're prophetic, being a loner goes hand in hand. You know, you, you want more friends than you actually have, but to, but to dig the, the, to dig the uh, you know, in, into the wells of God, it's, it, it takes not being antisocial, but it takes a degree of isolation to do that. And, and some of you have, have been, feel a little bit isolated. And I would say use that time to dig down deeper into God because you know we, we're here to socialize we're here to network with people but there are some great times of isolation and even though people say even though isolation is 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 the the culture for depression you know it's the culture for uh you know going a bit mental it's also the culture for really digging into God and I would say that the that from now on from now on, it's not, just, it's not just seeing people every day and night. There'll be times where God says, hey, just pull it, pull it aside for a while and let's, let's get some stuff from heaven that's, that's a little deeper, you know. I, let me say this because I'm raving already, right, is, is the thing I love about it. I, I've met, in one way, you know, if, you, if you're in, in church life, you know, I know a lot of women, right? And some women are like the sunshine that, that, that you know, whenever, you, whenever you're with them, 
they bring a lot of light and a lot of a lot of love you know into the situation i there's a lot of women that are like the wind that that are just refreshing you know you spend time with them you feel incredibly refreshed some are like the beach you know proper uh proper sanguine personality you know there's a lot of fun in that and my wife's not she's not like the sun she's not like the wind she's not like the beach my wife is the ocean and, and there's, there's a part of her that, that goes to a distant shore that I don't even know about. She's a complete mystery to me, right? But, but mysteries are intriguing. I don't know what you watch on Netflix, but I'm, I always watch mysteries, right? Because there's an intrigue there. There's a moodiness there. There's an intrigue there. And she almost sails off into the distant horizon, always comes back with some treasures from heaven. And I really value that, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you know, if you're on dating sites, so what do you like? Well, I like golf. I like movies and things like that. I like a girl who travels to a distant godland, you know, and then comes back with treasures uh, to, to then share with, with hum- humanity. And so I really love her, but I love the mystery about her. And the mysteries, I've never understood her, right? But it's, it's quite intriguing, <laughs> And all the men said yes, because it's hard to understand a woman, isn't it? That there's there's something intriguing about it. Um, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. Uh, the basis of tonight is is uh, it's. I'm gonna quote Michael Jackson here. Uh, I'm start, and this is Michael Jackson, one of his hit songs. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. <laughs> I'm asking him to change his way, and no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place. Take a look at yourself and make the change. And I'm absolutely convinced that if you change, the world changes. I just think we spend a lot of time trying to change other people. But if, if you could change yourself, the, the seepage of it is incredible. And let me say this, that in my preaching, uh, 75% of my communication isn't what I'm saying, it's who I am. And you can't stop that, you know, that, that your influence uh, at the bank, your influence at the gym is the seepage factor more than the vocal factor. And if you can realize that, if you spend time on yourself, then you're a key, you are the key. Uh, and I've preached it all, all the last couple of days here, you are the key to, the ge- to a generation. Now let me start with some, let me start with talking about London. When the, when the Queen died, it was a sad event, wasn't it? The funeral of the Queen, it went on forever though, you know, but, uh, but when I, I love London so much, right, but it triggers me for two reasons. And the first reason is because I, I, someone prophesied I'd be on television, right, which, which so far has worked out to be not true or Maybe on TV for a bad reason, but it hasn't actually worked out according to what they said. And uh, but so I thought I'd do I'd I'd, I'd get creative, and I did the, what I call cheeky beggar, the great British generosity experiment. And I thought I'd 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 work out the correlation between attitude and altitude, like your attitude determines your altitude. So I thought I'd dress up as a beggar and find out how much beggars make on the streets of London. Then dress up as a charity worker, find out how much charity workers make, and then dress up as a millionaire. And find out how much millionaires were. But, but it, it ended up disastrous, right? Because, because I was in Covent Gardens, right? And I was dressed up as a beggar, had a sign, I need money and that. And then, then two coppers came up after, after about 45 minutes. And they said, they said, you've got the right to remain silent. Whatever you say, it could be held against you. They said, and I said, what's happening? They said, you're under arrest. And I said, what for? They said, for 1888, begging infringement. It, begging's illegal. And yet everyone else was doing it, right? <laughs> everyone else, and they picked on me. It's because this older policeman had a young apprentice was trying to show him the ropes, right? And I said, no, no, we're filming this. And, and I, they said, where's your film crew? And they'd all disappeared. Everyone, <laughs> every one of the runoffs, it's just me. 
it's just me and they took me to Charing Cross police station I was I was locked up in a police cell for about five or six hours it was the most nerve-wracking time of my life because I felt like a really naughty boy you know and I felt embarrassed you know I had like a 12 year old son I felt really embarrassed saying hey dad's in jail you know <laughs> it was it was it was it was terrible right and and it shocked me but when I came out I thought well uh, uh, we're here right and so so then I dressed up in a Hawaiian shirt and had a shaker thing and, and was raising money for a hospice uh, for a bit, right? And then I went to Savoy Tailoring. I went into the, the Savoy Tailoring uh, and said, I'd like to borrow a suit for a while. And, and they said, yeah, which suit would you like? I said, well, that boss so- suit looks good. So they, and they said, how long do you want it for? I said, a week. So, uh, I, so I walked in, in jeans, walked out in a suit, just like that, borrowed it, just like that, borrowed it. <laughs> and, uh, and went outside the Bank of England uh, and just asked people for no, I said, would it be all right if you could give me a fiver or a tenner? You know. Now, here's, here's the results, which is quite interesting in terms of attitude. If I was a beggar, if I did that, uh, if I did that like eight hours a day, you know, time off for, for sick days, et cetera, et cetera, I'd probably be on about $25,000 a year. As a, as a super cheeky charity worker, I'll be on $70,000 a year. Now, wait for this, right? That as a millionaire, right, same guy just dressed in a suit asking people, being a bit more forthright to people, right? If I was doing that for a whole year, I would be on $280,000 a year. Just the same guy, just a different attitude. Attitude makes so much difference. You know, that, I think that's why, that's why the Bible talks about it a lot, because it makes a difference you, with your connections. It makes a difference with the atmosphere. It, it, it seems to me that your mind is the connector between your inner world, your spirit world, and the outer world, your physical world. Uh, the, other, the other thing that, that went wrong in London was, was I'd, 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 uh, we'd, we'd been to see someone else do a little TV show. There was four of us, right? We were walking past the Tower of London, and there was a couple kissing in the park, right? And there was a, uh, there was a little brick wall and, and iron, uh, iron, an iron fence, right? And uh, so I got up on the iron fence, and I went, whoo, right? Because it, just, it just come to me to do that, right? It's... It, it was a little bit Tourette-ish, right? And because I couldn't stop myself. And then we walk along, and, and one of the guys said, there's, there's three others and me, right? They're half my age. And, and one of the guys said, hey, there's only the girls there now. And we think, well, that, that was quick. That, that pash was a quick pash. And, uh, and then the other guy said, look back. He said, he's chasing us. So he's running after us. He looked kind of Eastern European, might have had a flick knife. You never know, right? But he was chasing us. And so we launched off, right? And, and out of the other three guys, one of them was really short, right? And I tell you, this is, I'm embarrassed by this, right? I held him back. <laughs> I held him back, right? To, so that he could be, he could be the, the victim <laughs> in the sacrifice, right? And I, I, I just totally surprised me, but, next, but I couldn't hold him back that long because he was a, a, a sprinter. I was the one at the end because I was twice the other guys. So I, I, I ran for, I don't know, three, four hundred yards, ran into a hotel foyer, and there was bouncers around. For somehow they turned up, they pushed the guy, etc., etc. And, uh, and but, I, but, I, but it was amazing what happened in my mind. In that I didn't know that the survival of the fittest, or or uh, I didn't even know that that it was in me. I thought I was a nice guy. 
And all of a sudden, this stronghold with them about, a survival stronghold rose up within me in a situation where I'd lost all discipline and it was just the raw landscape of my mind. I didn't even know it was in there, but it was in there and it manifests itself in a high-pressure situation. And, and I, I, think, I think the Bible actually goes into that. The scripture I've been talking about today to the pastors is Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. And it says, it says to be, be transformed by a renewing of the thinking process so that you can test and approve or test drive the will of God. And so somehow it goes into it, right? To, to be able to test drive the Maserati of God's will, God's good, pleasing, perfect will, takes a change of the thinking process. But when you actually think about it, right, Romans is the Roman road of faith because in Romans 1.17, somewhere there right it says that the just will live by faith and faith's believing it's not thinking it's believing and then and then Romans uh, chapter 4 is where Abraham you know that his body was as good as that yet he believed and so became you know he's got the three the three p's in a pot to faith and victory was he was fully persuaded that what god that god had the power to do what he promised it's it's all there and then Romans chapter 5 verse number 2 says that by faith we access the vaults of grace. So somehow though, it then, it then chapter 12, it then seems to change things, right? And, and hey, it says, hey, it's not just by your believing, it's by your thinking. It's not just by what you believe, Romans 12 says. It's by what you think about what you believe. And it, you know, you can receive faith. Anytime you hear from God, you can receive faith. But to change the thinking process takes a lot of work. But if you can do it, then it, it'll prove to be one of the most successful acts you can do on yourself because it means the moves of God become irreversible. And the thing about the renewing of the mind, people, we ran this girl's home, a number of girls' homes. Someone, someone said to me one day, why don't you just get all the girls together and just deliver them? Just in the name of Jesus, demons, be dismissed. And, and then you don't need to do any counseling, right? And the, the, it sounds good, right? And it, it probably worked for a couple of minutes, right? But the problem with that is that it's utterly reversible. And God wants to make you irreversible. He doesn't want you to be a one-hit wonder like the Baha man who let the dogs out. He wants you to be, to be a Chris Martin. He wants you to be a Coldplay. He wants you to have hit after hit after hit after hit. And so, and so somehow uh, we, you know, with these girls from City Hearts who, who have been, their will has been decimated by Satan, by the spirit of control. You do want, you do want the, if they were a house, they've got squatters in. But, but you want to start to change the door frames of dignity the moment you start to put door frames of dignity and they start to believe in themselves right a couple of squatters leave the moment you you replace the windows for windows that you can see through of vision where another another couple of squatters leave if you take up the carpet of confusion then, then, then another couple of squatters leave. If you, if you rebuild the veranda of victimhood and pull it down and rebuild it to the veranda of victory, then another couple of demons leave, couple of squatters leave, and then you can shut the main door of personal strength, lock it up, and they'll be successful for the rest of their lives. And somehow as Christians, we believe in deliverance, but deliverance is not enough because you can be delivered one day, it can come back the next day. 
And we need to be a lot smarter than that. And the Bi- that's why the Bible says, it says, hey, this isn't just about what you believe. It's about what you think about what you believe. And unity is when all the churches in, 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 in Port Lincoln comes together. Unity is when you come together. When the, when the commitments of your mind come into line with the conviction of your spirit, we've got unity. And let me carry on with the C words, right? When the confession of your mouth comes into line with the commitments of your mind that comes into line with the conviction of your spirit, we've got real unity. Lastly, when the conduct of your hand comes into line with the confession of your mouth, that comes into line with the commitments of your mind, that comes into line with the conviction of your spirit, we're winning. It's just that most people don't think what they believe and they don't speak what they think or what they believe. And so, so most people are a mess. And, and the purpose, your purpose of devotions is to line up. You know, line your thinking up with what you're believing. Line your confession up. Line, line your con, just line yourself up. And whenever you're lined up, God commands a blessing. Because wherever there's unity, God commands a blessing. It's incredible what happens when, when you can have a breakthrough in your mind. You know, back in, in 1954, uh, Roger, 1954, Roger Bannister, first man in human history to, to run a mile in under four minutes. Well, there was another guy in India chased by a tiger, but it wasn't, ti- <laughs> but, but it wasn't timed. <laughs> he didn't have to sign. Hey, mates, I'm running now. On him, ask set go. He's just, he's just running for his life. He, I think he did it in two and a half minutes, right? But, but it was untimed, you know. But Roger Bannister was trying to break the record, trying to break the record, and he finally, 1954, I broke the record. Now, now this is, this is. The following year, I think 13 people broke it. The, the year after, 300 people broke it. By 2021, one and a half thousand people. If, if, it was in the, if it was on the Olympics, you'd have, to, you'd have to get three minutes, 47 seconds to, to become an Olympic winner. That's how much it's been reduced. But you know, it's amazing. One person's breakthrough. What was that? It's a change in the thinking process. Nobody thought it could be done until he did it. Then everyone thought this can be done. It's sports psychology, but it, but for you, but it works for you. If, you. if you can beat the stronghold of depression, it just has a, a knock-on effect to the world around about you. Because, you. because you've overcome something, then everyone around you says, hey, it's possible for me to overcome it. If you can break through, it's a breakthrough on behalf of all of your small groups, all of your team, all of your church, all of your community. That's why you want to start with the man in the mirror. Because your breakthrough becomes everybody else's breakthrough. It's the same with, it's the same with, um, with, uh, with uh, Tenzing and... Edmund Hillary, you know, this is a year before that. First, the first man in human history, except for a guy being chased by <laughs> a snow leopard up Everest, right? The, the, to, to, to climb Everest. In, in, but if you look at statistics, I think, I think there's been 6,000 people by 2021 that's climbed to the top of Everest. Uh, and, and, and each one's probably done it twice because there's been 11,000 successful attempts from 6,000 people. Well, how, how is that? It's because somebody broke the barrier, because somebody broke the mind barrier. Somebody broke the thinking barrier. And, you know, I, you, you can dismiss this and say this is human psychology, but it's not. This is lining yourself up for breakthrough, because your breakthrough becomes somebody else's breakthrough. 
and everyone is as wired, wired differently, you know. I'm a successful melancholic. I, I, I pull my melancholic into the shallow end, wrap it in sanguine, and I do well with it, you know. But, but I do well on behalf, of, on behalf of melancholics, and half the world are introverts, and I'm here to break through on behalf of the introverts who are so introverted they just move into depression or they're sad all the time, you know. So I'm, so I'm here to show the introverts the way forwards, the way to go. But you come from a unique configuration, a unique background, and your breakthrough is, is a universal breakthrough. It's on behalf of a lot of people. And sometimes you can think, oh, I'm just the only one. What difference does it make? You're not the only one. You represent humanity. Your breakthrough is their breakthrough. Now, let me, let me, let me uh, explain to you how, how, um, how, how it works. This is the scientific bit, right? It says in Romans uh, 10, 17, it says that faith comes by hearing from God. So the moment you hear from God, bang, a check of faith appears in your spirit. And even though we don't use checks anymore, I'm going to go back there, right? That when you hear from God, there's a love letter placed in the letterbox of your heart, right? And inside that love letter, it's a commitment from God, but it's a love letter from God because everything that God does is love. But there's a check in there. There's a promise. It's signed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got your name on it. It's got something, it's got something associated with that promise that, that God has for you. It makes you, it makes you. it makes you like a lottery winner. Because you've got the winning numbers. You, it's, it's as good as having the promise now because you've got the promise of the promise, which means it's, it's, it's like a lottery winner. They might have a bad financial day tomorrow, but it really doesn't matter because they know that they won $40 million. And that's what it's like when you receive a check of faith, right? When you receive a check of faith, it doesn't move you into verb territory. It moves you into noun territory because faith is firstly a noun, not a verb. Have faith in God. And I'll say this about faith, right? It doesn't need to go to the gym. It doesn't need to wear long trousers. If faith was an age, it'd be a six-year-old because it just knows that if God said it, It'll come to pass, right? Doesn't need steroids, doesn't need anything. If you cut me in half, face lying back on a deck chair, it's, it's feet in the Mediterranean, the promises of God. It just turns over for an all-over suntan. End of story, right? It doesn't sweat the small stuff or the big stuff because it knows. And some of you, you checks of faith, because you've heard from God in the past, it's just slipped down the back of the couch. Get it, get it back again. Hold on to it, grip it. Grip it, because this, this check's bound to, 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 to be traded at the bank of grace for the treasuries of heaven. And I'll just say this about prayer, right? That outside your heart is what I would call, if I was in England, a Skoda of prayer, but I'm going to have to call it a Hyundai of prayer, right? It's just, it's just, prayer is never a Rolls Royce. It's never a Mercedes. It's, it's never an Aston Martin because prayer doesn't need to be. The only purpose of prayer is to take the, the check of faith because the prayer of faith that wins, the check of faith to the bank of grace. The problem with intercessors, they ruin it for us because intercessors almost, in, almost intimidate us saying, how oh, I'm driving a Merc, what are you driving? A Hyundai! And, I, and it makes me stop you know, it makes me think that my prayers aren't good enough, but my prayers are of human origin. But then God interprets it. God gets, God sits with it. And God works it through and directs the Hyundai to the bank of grace and opens up the vaults of heaven. But the second thing that happens, right? How do you know you've got faith? Because you, you know, how do you know you say? Because you know that you know. 
So something's got to happen within your mind. And this is what happens in your mind. When God speaks to you, a check appears within your spirit. And then, and then God sees a pathway between two parts within the mind, like a laser light beam, that originally were never connected directly as the crow flies. They were connected as a river meandered. For example, you knew the battle belonged to the God, but now God's spoken to you. Now you know. And it changes your whole disposition because now you know, which means you know as the crow flies. This is not a twisty path of intellectualism. This is not because you heard it from Stephen Furtick. This is because now you know. And so God sees a pathway between point two points in the mind. And now you know that you know. So this is where you come in because that's all supernatural. It's supernatural knowledge, supernatural revelation. This is where you come in. It's now your role to turn a small seared pathway into a proper path. So now it's your role is to widen the path. The more you walk on a path, the wider it gets. And God wants you to walk on it. He wants you to confess the truth. He wants you to live the truth. He wants you to start the, he wants you to meditate on the truth. He wants you to, to back up the truth. He wants you to create a culture for truth, right? And the more you do that, the wider the, the wider the path gets to the point that God can put train tracks down. Because now God can put a train of thought together. It's not just, it's not just a little pathway. It's a train of thought. And these trains of thought are the most important ingredient within your mind. And I'll say this about trains of thought. Every train uh, leaves Grand Central Station of your will all the time. Thoughts come into your mind and they either board trains that lead to the new mind or trains that lead to the fallen mind. But every train carries building material. The more you head toward the city of self-righteousness, the stronger it gets. The more you head toward the city of peace, the stronger it gets. And it's your decision which way the trains go. Let me, let me give a little example here, right? That you're not invited to the barbecue on Saturday. Now, that's just a simple thought, right? But there's a perceptive thought. Thoughts go hand in hand with observational and perception, intellectual and perception. The perceptive thought was, well, you weren't actually invited to the last three barbecues from the other three friends that you've got either, right? So something's happening here, and, and, and there's an insecurity. There's, there's a feeling this could be a change of season. There's a feeling this could be rejection. But then standing at the platform of the fallen mind is Satan himself saying, well, it's because no one actually ever liked you. It's because your personality is unlikable. If you were funnier, a lot of people would actually like you. But Everyone finds you dead boring. Toot, toot. Train leaving for Depressionville. Short, short road trip to Rejection Town. Short air flight to Self-Pityville. And it's leaving right now. Oh, he's put it on the screen there. I was wondering why you're looking around to the side there. It'll distract me. I can only do one thing. You can look at that. It'll distract me. Right? And, and, and so you find yourself on board the train to a city in the fallen mind. But let me say this, every time there's a, the, Satan stands on the western platform saying there's a train leaving to, to Lustville, there's always a train that arrives in the new platform of the new mind. And the station master isn't Satan, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and let me invent some trains that arrive. You're not invited to the barbecue, the Psalm 23 train arrives. Toot, toot. And the Holy Spirit says, all aboard. This train says, the Lord's your shepherd. 
He's, he's your provider. He's going to provide all of your needs. And so all aboard, right? And just say you missed that train. Then the Philippians 1.6 train turns up and says, He who began a good work in you shall complete it. And then the Hebrews 10 train turns up and says that God takes away the first to establish the second. So God's taking away the first season because God's got a brand new season for you. And if you board that train, you take building material to the cities in the new mine. Are you catching up with me? It all depends on the decisions you make at Grand Central Station of the will. That's why God wants to strengthen your will. He wants to spend time. And it's important stuff, this, because you are the answer to your small group. You are the answer to the church. Your breakthrough is the answer to your community. Now, let me say this about the fallen part of your mind. This, you might not be able to see it here, but the top left-hand corner, uh, what I call the royal, there's three sections, three regions. There's the royal cities, and the royal cities are the self-cities. These are the strongest cities, right? Self-centeredness, self-righteousness, self-pity. Uh, uh, what else is there? These, these, are, these are the cities where you're on the throne. These are the dominating cities of the fallen mind. You thought lust was, it's not. It's a secondary city. It's these primary cities. It's all about me. I want to be on the throne. And we're finding that's becoming more and more a conceited position of people in the world today. The second region below that is what I call the industrial cities, which is your attitudinal cities. It's bitterness. It's jealousy. It's anger. It's just you putting out toxins. And, you know, you putting out toxins is as evil as a lot of things to do with self-centeredness or even a lot of things to do with lust. But the, the last group of cities, which is what's traditionally known as sinful, is what I call the historic cities, right? And that's the, that's the city of lying. That's the city of stealing. That's the city of cheating. That's the city of lust. That's the city of, um, of second life fill. It's, the, it's the, the city of quitsville, the city of greed. And it, it's all there in the historic cities now our aim is is to stop feeding the historic cities or the industrial cities or the royal cities and the way you do that is stop sending trains in that direction the more trains go there the larger the skyline gets the more trains go to the new mind the larger the skyline gets now let's say this be patient with yourself because when you get born again you get virgin territory there are no strongholds in the new part of your mind there's just Virgin Terry marked out for if there's nine fruits of the Spirit, there's nine cities that God wants to build within the new part of your mind. It's marked out, so you need to spend a lot of time working in discipline and working in, in trying to get, get your, your control back again in the Grand Central Station of your will. Now, if you find yourself on the wrong train, it's, it's, it's not too bad because there's a yellow taxi cab of God's kindness that follows every train in the darkened part of the mind. So all, because God's kindness leads to you to repentance. And also, God's not far away from anyone at any time. It's wrong to say that God's far away from your sister or your brother because God's never far away from anyone. God's never been far away from Hitler in all of his life because God can't be far away because he's a loving God. And some, some of you think, oh, God's far away from, from my, my niece. God's far away from my, my mom. It's a complete lie because God's never been far away. He's not far away from any ISIS commander. He's not far away from, 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 from Kanye West. He's not far, he's not far away from, from people who are utter rebels. He's not far away because the yellow taxi cabs are everywhere. 
And all you need to do is, is get up, press the red button, hop off the train of rebellion and get in the yellow tax cab. And that tax cab's coming back to the Grand Central Station of the well. It's, it's as simple as that. It does, doesn't even require tears. It just requires a decision, you know. And then you can come back and then you can, you can then catch the right trains on the eastern, eastern platform. When you, when, you, when you get into this, sometimes there'll be, there'll be cities that now become ghost towns. I, I, in my mind, I, I remember, you know, having thoughts that were depressive thoughts where I would actually, it'd be like being in quicksand that I'd get swallowed up by the thoughts uh, for weeks on end, you know. And, I, you know, call that, dep- call that the city of depression. It doesn't affect me anymore. There's no depression in me whatsoever. But the ghost town remains. And it remains as a memory and as a, as a, a signpost. God is victorious. You don't have to live this way all of your life because you can shut a, tr- you can shut a city down by no trains traveling in, no construction material, and eventually it just desecrates itself and eventually it erodes itself and it falls apart. The other thing about prayer is that the more you pray, prayer doesn't just bomb trains, prayer bombs tracks. And it disables your ability to to have a nice train trip to City of Lustville because the tracks have been distorted by the power of prayer. That's that's how prayer comes into it, right? And prayer in one way becomes your deliverance, but he's but God's working with your mind because he wants this to be utterly irreversible. Okay, so let me pull this in, right? Uh, let, me, yeah, let me pull this in and say that, that we need to concentrate on your will. And there's a number of things that we can do to concentrate on your will. And that is to bring you back to, instead of just going according to what you want in life, you want to go deeper than that and go according to what you really want. I know it's a Spice Girls song, right, but I'm going there, right? It's what you, what you really, really want, you know? When it comes to, when it comes to emotions, right, there's, listen, listen, there's five levels of emotion. The top level is visiting emotions, bad hair day. We get through that. The next, the next level of emotion is volatile emotions, right? That's anger, etc. But 95% of anger comes from our vulnerable emotions, which is disappointment. That's our vulnerability. And then, but below disappointment is our visionary emotions. How do you win gold at the Olympics? By driving through volatility and vulnerability with your visionary emotions. That's why the Bible spends a lot of time fixing your inner eyes. It, it almost substitutes faith for an inner set of eyes to see beyond brick walls. But below that is what the Bible, what I call the victorious emotions. The kingdom of God isn't about food. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds of that's emotional, by the way. And their righteousness is being in the right place at the right time with the right God. This is, this is, this, these are the emotions that are in you. So when someone says, how do you feel? I feel five things. I feel like I'm having a bad hair day. I feel really mad at so-and-so. I'm incredibly disappointed. Hey, I've lost my vision. I feel like I'm just living for today. And I've forgotten about my victory in Christ. No one, no one has a singular emotion at any time. Everyone's got five emotions, but you want to make the dominating emotions the lowest two is I'm in victory and I'm running from victory to victory and attached to that is the visionary emotion. This is what I want. 
It's the long-distance telescopic emotion that doesn't just want something that pleases me today like lust does. It has something that pleases me in the long term like something significant. That's living for significance. And so, so you, want to, you want to know what you want, what you really, really want. And it's important every day to think, is that what I want? Because how do you change the thinking process? By going for what you really want. And some of you need to stop being immature and stop having a, ha, you know, stop, stop uh, losing your head. The Bible says, don't lose your head. It says, pull yourself together, you know. Just pull your emotions together and start leading by the deeper emotion of, of your visionary emotions. A six-year-old was walking home from school once and a frog jumped up onto your shoulder and said, hey, if you kiss me, I'll turn into a beautiful princess. And the kid's thinking, oh, what is this, right? So he grabs the frog, puts it in his pocket right and he's walking another half mile frog squeezes out jumps and said kid i said i kiss you if you kiss me i'll turn into a beautiful gorgeous princess and the kid looks at it right just n- with no emotion just grabs it puts it back in his pocket now the frog's mad an angry frog right so it jumps out slaps itself on the shoulder of the six-year-old and says kid i, kid, I said if you kiss me i'll turn into a beautiful princess why won't you kiss me and the kid said, oh, it's, it's easy because what I want is a talking frog. <laughs> you want to know what you want? Because what the world's saying is beautiful princess, but what you actually want is a talking frog. And if, if you could just, that's why devotions are important. It just brings you back to what you really want and further away from what you want. And the Bible says that, that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. But those desires aren't your volatile desires or your vulnerable desires. They're, they're your visionary desires. They're your victorious desires. You know. so the second uh, way to, um, to strengthen your mind is to change the culture, change the environment. Be, be, a, be a climate activist. You know, have, have climate warming going on within your mind, you know. And let me say this, if you've got a problem with Krispy Kremes, don't, don't hire the bedsit above the Krispy Kreme shop. A lot of people have, have a problem with various temptations. Every one of us have a weakness for something. And, and the thing about temptation, it's kind of what you like. I've never been tempted with Brussels sprouts or cauliflower. Because, because... I don't like Brussels sprouts or cauliflower. So it's going to be something that you like. But it's going, to be, it's going to be then difficult to achieve. Because difficult to achieve means you've got to now, at some stage, come to your senses, like the prodigal son, in between wanting to do something and activating the doing of it. It's quite a difficult pathway. You want there to be a difficult pathway between you and your desires. And so if you live above a Krispy Kreme shop and you've got a a weakness for Krispy Kremes, it's just going to take you a second to duck downstairs and steal some Krispy Kremes, right? And that's the problem with sin. The more accessible sin is the more you fall into it. And it's the same if you're going on a diet. You, you really literally have to clean out your whole fridge because it's not good enough to have Tim Tams in the fridge because there is a moment of weakness within each one of us. And then you're led by, by, by the, the, the desire that, that, that chocolate makes you, you unanxious, you know? And that's a stronghold within the natural part of your mind that's now dominating your behavior. So you want to make it difficult. And, and lastly... Uh, you, you, you want to, you, oh, let, me, let me get the wording right. If, oh, my notes are over this side. I'll just make it up, Brian. That, that you want to, you wanna, 
I, I shared it today. You want to put a but in the midst of your valley. You, you want to add faith to it. And so if you're feeling bad, you want to say, I'm feeling bad, but it's the greatest faith word in the Bible is the word B-U-T. David did. He said, I feel like broken pottery, but my life's in your hands. And if I'm going camping and I forget all the camping gear, but the seven people, they're going to go, oh, Dave, you're terrible. It's starting to rain. What a rotten guy you are. And then I'll say, but I've got seven free nights at the five-star Hilton that's, that's 700 yards down the road. It changes absolutely everything. And you want to change the confession of your mouth and the confession of your thoughts to, to, to start to meditate and start to speak what the Word of God says and put a but in the midst of your valley. Okay, if I had a keyboard, I'd get the keyboard up, but I haven't, so I'm just going just gonna to try and wind this through, right? And, uh, and a lot of Christians think deliverance means no more. But it's not true. Deliverance means a weakening to the point that you can make a decision easier to live on the right-hand side, not the left-hand side. It's not the absence of temptation. It's the strength over temptation. And a lot of people think that the deliverance is, is, wow, how come I feel that way when I've been delivered from it in the deliverance session two weeks ago? It's because because the, because what God's done is he's turned a flood into a river. And rivers are better than floods because floods are destructive, but rivers are controlled by river banks. That's why the Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear that creates flooding. God's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And the sound mind, it says he's now put river banks within you. And I think that the problem with perfectionism that's infiltrated the Christian faith is, is what we, think, we think deliverance means absence that you wake up and there's zero temptation to sadness. There's now zero temptation to mourning, zero temptation to, to lust. But it's not true. It's just that you've now got the power to overcome it because it's become a river through the discipline that you've placed in it. In other words, the skyscrapers are now half the size that they used to be because of the effort and the diligence and the sound mind that you've put into it. I'll finish with the story of John Forbes Nash, right? You know the beautiful mind? Uh, it's a great film with Russell Crowe, who's certainly changed in the way he looks uh, over the years. And, uh, <laughs> and he, he represented a, a fabulous mathematician, I think. Or, and he got, I think he got the Nobel Peace Prize for physics. I, I don't know, right? But what I do know is that he had schizophrenia. And I do know that the, he was plagued. All of, his, all of his life, he's plagued by voices you know, some demonic voices, some imaginary voices, but a whole kaleidoscope of stuff. And, you know, proper mental. And, uh, and, and he, he lived his life. And then finally, right, when he won the Nobel Prize, he, his, his best mate came up to him in the movie and said, hey, congratulations, right? And he, and he, he, said, he, said, and he said, hey, it must be fabulous to feel set free from all the voices, right? And then the camera pulls back and you still see things lurking in the corners in the movie. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. No, he said, they're still there. He said, oh, I've just chosen to ignore them. I just think, I think that's everything I've said in the last 40 minutes. That's it in a nutshell. That's power. That's the power of God. That's the destiny of your life. It's not obliteration. It's it's. 
it's, it's the removing of flood conditions into river conditions. And, and I think if you, could, if you could believe that right now you're building riverbanks, if you can believe right now that you're pulling down strongholds, then this is a journey and it's going to take a little bit of time, but it takes time so that it becomes irreversible. And God wants to move upon each one of our lives. He wants to, you've been having breakthrough nights. He wants the breakthrough nights to be irreversible. So you've got to do it in line with transformation. You've got to do it in line with the, with the transforming of who you are at the same time as, as the power of the Spirit of God. I'll say this last, oh, a lot of this is, is, is oh, this is, my, this is the mind map that, that's up there, right? And this is available afterwards. And you can grab and go. Uh, you can go and pay for it in the next 24 hours. But this is the map, and there's a book that explains it. It's just a powerful tool. It's, there's individual ones there, plus I've got a pack uh, of 10 books that are here that... Um, these are the 10 books, and inside these books is the mind map and some other material to help you. There's a book called If You Think You Can. And Henry Ford said, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you're both right. And for us as Christians, if you think you can, you probably maybe can. But if you think you can't, you absolutely can't. You know, so that's available there. And uh, I've, got, and I've got Jen's book, which is Prophesy, which is 84 fire starters to a new devotional life. I've got my book, The Truth Diet, that explains uh, everything happening with the trans community and everything happening with global warming. And it's, it's 181 uh, pushbacks uh, against spiritual warfare within your life. And this is the mind map. This is my book, The Hit Factory. The Next You is the Next Big Thing. It's a great book. Here's my book, Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. And this is uh, She Is. This is the coffee table book. And I just think, I think it'd be worth a lot of you, uh, not for my benefit, but for your benefit, to actually, uh, to actually meditate on new kind of thinking. Some of the things that I've said tonight have been sabotaged by, by you know, the advocates of positivity. But... I'm combining it with spiritual breakthrough and combining it with testimony from, from my life. I'll, I'll, last, I'll say lastly, right, that you don't want to ever find yourself. The problem with finding yourself is you're not going to like who you find. There's, there's, a, there's a Kim Kardashian inside you, right? There's, there's, a, there's a Miley Cyrus oh, still on a wrecking ball. Do you know, you know what I mean? There's a Piers Morgan in you. There's just that you don't want to. You don't want to discover. There's a narcissistic you in you. There's a nasty you. There's a naughty you. You know, there's there's a there's a. What you want to do is not try and find yourself. You want to redefine yourself. And you know, redefinition is really important because God did it for Simon. You know, he had a problem because his name meant read. So, so, so the first thing that Jesus did was, was, was to reassign identity and reassign his thinking. So from now on, you'll be called Peter. Now, when you actually trace it through, sometimes he's still Simon, sometimes he's Peter, sometimes he's Simon Peter. He's never Peter Simon for some reason, right? And, uh, and, then, and then in Acts chapter 2, when, when 3,000 people are saved, that ain't Simon. It's Peter. So it's, there's a process of, of transformation that goes on. But, but you want to define. You want to wake up and say, this is who I am. You, the first four days, out of the six days of creation, only two of those days were creative. The, the, the first four days were slicing and dicing. It was dividing up night from dark, night from light. It was div- the second day 
what am I going to do? Well, I'm just going to divide, divide sky from sea. <laughs> That's all I'll do. The third day, what's he doing? He's dividing land from sea. It's, it's, it, you know, the, the fourth day is dividing day from night. Creating the seasons. The fifth day, he makes sea animals. The sixth day, he makes man and the land animal. So, so what's he doing? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's spending the first four days defining, the last two days demonstrating. Christians are too hungry for a demonstration of the power of God when he spends four, the first four days with the pencil of God. You want to redraw you. You want to think, this is who I am. This is the new me. This is the next me. This is the future me. Redraw you, but don't do a whole, whole analysis thinking, who am I, who am I, who am I? Because you're going to come up at best with, with, the, with the old you. You're going to come up with the, with the past you. And the past you's dead. The past you's finished with. It's only you now and the future you. So You know, everyone, I find the greatest, enemy, the greatest thing the enemy does to me is take a Kodak picture of who I used to be and flash it in my face like that every single day. I'm thinking, I don't even live there anymore. What is this spirit of condemnation, right? But what I do is that God's got a Polaroid picture. I'm heading to a song right now. It's got a Polaroid picture of who I'm becoming, and every day in a quiet time, God shakes it like a Polaroid picture in front of me so that I can discard the Kodak picture of other people's impressions of me. Because the most powerful me is the next me. I'm, I'm a becoming person. That's why Christians can't do personality tests. Because they say, oh, you're an angry person. You think, well, I was and I still am, but somehow I'm morphing into a more peaceful person. So what do you say? The person you used to be, like yesterday, or the person you are today, you're becoming, or the person you want to be tomorrow. Christians make hopeless people when it comes to personality tests. Because we're morphing, we're changing, and you want to get ready for, you want to redraw I'll say it again. First four days, God didn't do any creating. He just got out his pencil and he started drawing. Four days with the pencil of God. Two days with the power of God. Four days redefining Simon as Peter. Two days demonstrating the immense power of God. We want to jump to the last two days. And if you do, it'll become reversible. But if you spend four days defining, then when the power of God comes, you'll have another cold play hit on your hand, star full of sky, or sky full of stars. And, and then you'll be able to launch out into the next song, then the next song, because, because you've been transformed. And when you transform, you hold on to the power of God. It doesn't just drain through your fingers. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. In actual fact, what I'm going to do is saying, if you feel like there's a stronghold that you're dealing with right now, then when I count to three, I'm going to get you to stand up. And then I'm going to pray a prayer with you with your hands lifted up, and I'm going to pull down those strongholds through the power of prayer. The weapons of my warfare through that prayer are not carnal. They are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And when two people agree together, there is amazing power. And it's in this room right now. And if I could agree with you saying that we're going to pull down that stronghold of war, that's the confusion within you. And if we could raise up the city of peace, the city of joy, the city of goodness, 
we're doing a good thing tonight because this is where God's heading. A transformed person transforms society. So it's going to be on the count of three. On the count of three, I want you to close your eyes right now. On the count of three, if there's something that you're working on right now, and this is personal, I know it's personal, but my gosh, if there's something you're working on right now and you, you want to either hop in the yellow taxi cab of kindness or you want to bomb the tracks through prayer or you want it to become a ghost town or you want to uh, think, yeah, it's still there, but, you, but God's given you the power to ignore it. You want that added strength, that John Forbes Nash strength. They're still there, but I've chosen to ignore it. And you want that kind of victory. You want Grand Central Station of the Wheel, the terrorists to go. You want other people's control to go. And you want to take back control of the Grand Central Station of your will. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to stand up and I'm going to pray a prayer. Three, two, one, stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Lift your hands to heaven right now. Say this after me. I agree that this stronghold, shall come tumbling down. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of the resurrection. I break the stronghold of condemnation, the stronghold of guilt, the stronghold of confusion, the stronghold of self, the stronghold of attitude, the stronghold of history. I am a new creation, becoming newer every day. I'm becoming the next me. I'm becoming the future me. The past me is not me. I refuse to dwell upon the past. I forget what's behind me and I press on toward the promises of God. Behold, you're doing a new thing. You're making me new every single day. We thank you for the power within my mind and the strongholds getting stronger, the enemy's strongholds decreasing. I thank you, Jesus, for the power of the cross, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the Psalm 23 train, for the Matthew 6.33 train, for the Philippians 1 verse 6 train. And I thank you, they're leading me to freedom and they're leading me to victory. My victory is the world's victory. My victory is my team's victory. My victory is my church's victory. I stand on the finished work of Christ. Renew my mind, Lord so that I can experience your good, pleasing, and perfect will in Jesus' mighty name. Now, keep your eyes closed. We're going to give God a clap offering, but let this clap offering go for at least a minute. On your marks, get set, go. Come on, let it be a clap offering of victory. A clap offering of victory. Come on, everybody stand up. A clap offering of victory. Come on. A clap offering of victory. Come on. Come on. Come on, I'm victorious through Jesus. I'm victorious. 
is through Jesus. I'm living in heavenly places. I've got the victory through Christ who died and was resurrected. My beloved is mine and I'm his. I'm his. I'm hidden with Christ. I'm hidden with Christ. Let a new victory enter into this church. Let a new victory enter into our hearts and minds, God. Give us vision to see. Give us victory to climb. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, let the Peter arise within each one of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. Father God, we thank you, God. Father, we thank you, Jesus. Let the spirit of Jabez be upon every one of us in this room. Jabez, God, Lord, enlarge our territory. Free us from pain. Bless our lives, God. Bless our lives, Jesus. Father God, come upon us and bring increase and bring victory into our hearts and minds. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Oh my goodness me. See what that did? That was only very short, right? But that created a hot house immediately. Just, just do that regularly and you'll find strongholds come tumbling down. You'll find there'll, there'll be a Peter arise within you and you'll find you'll be a changer of a generation. I've loved talking to you. I can't wait to be back next May with my wife to talk to you again.